Hi, here we are for episode two of Awoke Blokes. I'm Michael Ray, all the way from Australia, and with me... I'm Reham, all the way from the UK. Great. And just while we get started, Reham, a little bit of uh, notice for my UK friends. Here at the moment, it is currently 8.30 at night, and it is almost 40 degrees. I'm sitting in a puddle of my own sweat. Oh, I cannot even begin to imagine it being that 30 or 32 is usually the highest we get. So um, it's, a, it's about seven degrees outside right now. It's about 9.52 a.m. So really enjoying the time difference, but um, really appreciating the fact that I'm not in your heat. Great. Um, our episode one seemed to resonate with some of you. The feedback was great. and It's such a thrill to um, get off on the right foot. So tonight... I thought we would talk about conflict. Reham's a bit of an expert with this. This is her, her uh, sphere of influence. And it's something we all experience. And a lot of us, we seek it, it binds us, but it enters our life at all the time. So I would love to know how we best deal with conflict, Reham. So I'll leave it to you. What can you tell me about conflict? Well, there's, there's so much to talk about um, in this broad topic of conflict resolution. What I can tell you and what I've learned personally and what I oftentimes talk about professionally is conflict is what you perceive as conflict. Now, this might be quite controversial, but a, a situation might be a conflict for some. It might be an opportunity for others. So it's about what lens are we viewing our circumstances in? And that directly goes back to mindset and our sense of resilience. So I talk about emotional and mental muscles that we build in our lives to make us really effective at handling, managing, and adapting to changes in our lives, which oftentimes come as the uh, come under the label of conflicts. Um, so when we build that sense of adaptability to our external environment, things will come to us, uh, things will happen in our sphere of existence, but things never happen to us. And that mindset shift is really important because if we think of things happening to us, then we are accepting we are victims and martyrs to our circumstances. And that's not the case. We have so much power in our lives to channel that energy and to claim our opportunity to make choices. So if we believe that things happen to us, so the drama continues to follow me, the conflict continues to happen to me, you know, then it's a concept of I'm feeling helpless. I'm feeling disconnected from my own power and sense of strength. I'm also saying that I don't have choices and that's deadly for anyone, especially men around their mindset and around how quickly they can go from 10, which it would be like a healthy state of mind to a zero and where things are so bad that I can't see a way out except for to kill myself or to end my life, or to deprive myself of feeling happiness and alive and loved and appreciated and seen and heard. 
it, that dip is so quick. And so it's really about investing in our ability to acknowledge and appreciate that we always have choices. And when we have choices, then we could create different changes in our lives that make smaller, big ripples in the pond, lake, sea, ocean of life irrelevant. The point is that we really know that we have choices. Let me give you an example. So say a man during lockdown, during um, this pandemic, has been faced with the potential situation of no longer being the sole provider of the family. Now, this means catastrophe for some men. It means opportunity for others. Catastrophe would mean I only define myself as the provider. And if I cannot see myself as anything other than that, then I no longer am man enough. I can no longer identify myself in any other role in life other than provider, which we know, you, you and I, Michael, know, and I know our listeners know that that's not true. We are so multidimensional human beings. You know, as a man, he could be a husband or a partner or a father or a, a brother or a, a sibling, you know, as in like brother. That's what I mean. Um, an uncle or a grandfather or a friend. We're not defined only by what we provide others. Mm. And that's so important to understand because if we lose sight of our identity, and women fall into this too, but being that our audience is, is the men that, the blokes that we're working with, um, if, if men lose sight of their identity, then they lose sight of their purpose. And when they lose sight mm. of purpose, they lose sight of choices and helplessness right. settles. Very good. Um, I always found myself um, when I had a fairly dark stage of one time where I was critically ill and going forward, it was going to mean life as I knew it was gone. So, and I had a, a really good um, counsellor at that stage helping me through it. And I said, you know, I'm not going to be able to do this and I'm not going to be able to do that. And people are used to me being this way. And if I can't be big and strong and lift weights. And she pointed out, that's not who you are. She said, who are you without all of that stuff? Who are you when you're not describing your physical self? Like, you know, are you a decent man? Are you a compassionate man? Are you empathetic? man, these are the things that you do. And then what you do with those qualities is what you've just described. So it's the qualities that drive you, not that, not the other way around. Lifting weights doesn't make you um, who you are. And it was a really good thing because she said, in an instant, life can change, but it doesn't mean that it ends. The life that you thought you had was just an external or extrinsic manifestation manifestation of who you are and it's who you are that you need to work on and it was really eye-opening 
It's a beautiful example. Thank you, Michael, for bringing that up because it's like reading a novel, um, which I don't have the pleasure of doing much anymore, but um, it's like reading about the main character and the main character doesn't always stay in the exact same environment that they're in. They go from chapter to chapter in a different environment and they still stay true to themselves, hopefully, most of the time while growing and learning and advancing and thriving, even if they're dipping, but they're learning and they're growing, but they're not impacted negatively to the point where they no longer know that they are the main character of the, mo of the movie or the book, for example. That's how life is. It's a different chapter. So as you were saying, when you were ill, that was one chapter, but that's not your arc as the character. You're not, it's not who you are as Michael. It's just part of who you are. And when we can see that we are not defined by our circumstances, then we remember that that character in a movie or a character in a novel has so much more to offer himself, herself, and the world, not just due to the circumstances in that particular situation. All right, let, let's get a little bit more practical and nitty-gritty. Okay, let's jump in. Now Conflict to me back in the old days when I was a bouncer meant somebody was getting punched in the head and not a great way to uh, go through life. But one of the things that seems to be a constant with um, a lot of dads, especially separated, not only dads, but parents, is that interpersonal conflict. Someone's being unreasonable from my perspective. I think they're being unreasonable. What do we do? Where's that conflict how do we resolve that where we just can't get somebody through? Do we approach it with a, I've got to get my way? Do we go in with a compromise? Do we go in with, I'm right, she's wrong? Where do we start with, I want to resolve this. There's something between us. And actually, Ram, I've got to admit, this is why I wanted to do it because you've been annoying me and I want to sort this out. No, I'm Bring joking. So <laughs> how do we go where we're at different ends of the spectrum? Do we disengage? Do we just say, nope, too hard? Or do we try and resolve it? And if so, where do we begin? Excellent question, Michael. And I think that that's a question that many of us ask ourselves, including myself sometimes, because when you're in the thick of things, you can't really see clearly. So it's easier when an outsider sees the situation. Um, I guess the, the best answer that I could give you uh, that works without fault is to recognize what your intentions are. And sometimes that's the hardest question to ask because if our intention um, is one-upsmanship or competition or stroking our ego or aggression or anything of that nature, then you're only going to get what you reap. You're going to reap, sorry, what, you're, what you sow. You're only going to get what you put in. Um, yep. So what is going to happen is contention or dissatisfaction or distrust or breakdown in communication because what's coming into it is already polluting the energy in the room. So if we come from a, a different space, a space that isn't filled with fear or insecurities, because that's what usually fills the space of a conflict, insecurity, and fear. And when we come from those spaces, we're not acting from the right mindset 
where we want to resolve. It becomes very contentious. It becomes combative. It's almost like you're going to court Mm -hmm. and you've got two attorneys or two solicitors hashing it out, you know, in front of the judge. That's not what a relationship is about. That doesn't build the rapport or the trust or the intimacy or the respect or the honesty between partners or parents or children or family members. What Mm -hmm. does is getting curious. So not getting personal, as in fighting fair is so essential. And and dare I say, even arguing fair. So if you don't want to fight, then argue fair. And that means to really approach the situation with a beginner's mind. Not because I've known this person for 20 years and I know exactly what they're going to say and I know exactly what they're going to do. And I've been through this scenario before and I'm just going to you know, push forth my agenda. No, if you're coming from a beginner's mind, you're saying, I'm getting curious about why this person is being impacted by something I said or something I did or something that has nothing to do with me and really coming at it from an empathetic mindset, meaning how can I show up for you? And that's really foreign for a lot of people because a lot of people enter conflict by saying, what is it for me? What's in it for me? And what could I do? And it's all about me and it's my ego and my pride at, the, uh, at stake. And when we approach things from that way, we create a wall, a barrier where that, that connection that humanity cannot be realized Mm. because all of the negative emotions and that negative energy fills the room. So when we're curious and say, for example, I ask, well, what is it that that's triggering you? What happened? It's, it's not me taking it personally. Why, how dare you call me this? And why, what were you thinking about? you know, saying that, and why did you dredge up the past? Why is that so painful or difficult for you? Get curious about the other person. Because when you invest in getting to know the why behind why someone is upset or angry or frustrated or mad, it dissipates the energy. And if somebody's yelling, lower the volume. Because then people mirror. By default, and I know Michael, you know a lot about this bit. I I think, I think it was Dale Carnegie. Yes, um, who said, "Seek first to understand, and then you'll be understood." Understood. um, A lot of times, I I see conflict where people are arguing for the sake of being right, and they're just arguing to be right, rather, and they're speaking to be heard without wanting to listen first and that's that's what i'll tell a lot of the guys with um especially co-parenting especially when you're separated it is such a hard task such a it, it would be the most vexed common problem that i speak with dads she does this she does that she does this to annoy me and that's what i say you but you've got to realize you know, when you walk along and you drag the fence, the stick along the fence and the dog barks, and every time you do it, the dog barks and you keep doing it and the dog barks. If the dog didn't bark, eventually you'd stop dragging the stick. And then I say to them too, a lot of times, if you're in a constant state of conflict with people, 
you've got to sort of have a look at what the common denominator is. And a lot of the times when you're arguing, it's because that here and now of that argument, that focus on this right here, right now, I'm going to tell this person off and I'm going to be right here. You're distracting yourself from what's really going on in your head. You're trying to drag yourself out of the past and into the here and now. And, you know, a lot of the time it's what happened in the marriage, why it went wrong, how badly you felt about it. And now, now I'm going to get some retribution and it just does not work. It's not good for you. It's like drinking poison and expecting your enemies to die from it. And a lot of the times I'll, I'll say to guys, guys, just disengage. If you know there are hot, hot button topics that just flare up, avoid them like the plague, like just, and it's not admitting you're wrong and, and she's right. It's admitting that you're bigger than that. That exactly. you're not you're gonna save your energy for things that you know, it's no good winning the battle only to lose the war. Yes, yeah. exactly. It's about boundaries. It's about honoring your own values in life. Are you going to be petty? And are you going to go and dip into the past because she dipped into the past? No, because you're a better man. You're a bigger man than that. You've elevated yourself because you're healing and you're learning to heal yourself more and more every single day by not getting, you know, stuck in to those old cycles and old patterns of, of arguments. When you're able to see that it's about more than just the, you know, the drop off or the pickup, then you realize that there's a lot of hurt and the hurt speaks, not the truth. And so it's not about even finding the truth. And that's, that's the other thing that I think causes people's head to spin. It's not about finding out the truth because there's no more relationship there. It doesn't matter what the truth is anymore because the truth is de dependent on the perception of each of you. Mm. What is important is what's true for the child. If we're talking about co-parenting, for example. So what could I do to show up for this child in such a way so that I can elevate his understanding or her understanding of what an, a mature adult human being can offer in a relationship? How can I create the boundaries that will protect me from dipping back into the past and straddling the future and never being in the moment? Mm. How can I show up for my child and teach them that it's okay in the face of disagreement and difficulty to be the better person or the bigger man or the bigger woman or girl or boy? The kids yeah. learn by mirroring, so I've they have to see it some... in order to do it. Yeah. Sorry, go I've ahead. I've seen some rippers. I've seen some rippers. You know, she's mm. ten minutes late all the time at at, at drop off, and she knows that it, you know, pees me off, and and that's what you say, mate. It's it's ten minutes. You know, do you want to rushing there, driving like a madman or mad woman with your child in the car? And, you know, when she turns up and you're all huffy, it's 10 minutes. You know, imagine how it would be if when she turned up instead of, you're 10 minutes late and I've been waiting here and this happened last week. Is everything okay? Like, do you need to shift it? Would you be better off if we make it 4.30 instead of 4? Or if we did change over somewhere closer? Because the last thing I want is for you to be stressed. 
And that's why I try and say to guys, you've got to realize if you make your ex-wife or the wives, if you make your ex-husband's life hard or difficult in any way, it's going to impact on your children. So there's got to be give and take in everything. You know, it's, I'm amazed that the boss will say, hey, can you stay back half an hour tomorrow night? Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, like I had plans, but I'll do that. But if your ex-partner, man or woman, is, you know, running late or something like that, but you've got to compromise because what's going to happen is your child's going to see that tension. Exactly. And one day that child is going to get married. And she's exactly. going to want mum and dad, or he's going to want mum and dad there, and they're going to feel the tension and they're going to be worried about what it's going to be. So the relationship is over for whatever reason. Relationships fail, no blame, no whatever. But you can still be the best parents ever. You can be those parents, co-parents, where everyone else just says, oh, I wish. And you know, you can do the whole, let's just stick by the rules and we all know where we stand. But there's got to be give and take because life's lived in the grey. It's never black and white. Exactly. So, I, could, I could almost hear some of our audience members saying, well, you've never met my ex, you know, and you've never seen this person. And every single person can make a shift in their life by choosing to do so it's all about choice again so how are you choosing to show up if she's showing up this way or he it's irrelevant who the ex is if if they're the ex is showing up in a way that isn't mature or healthy you choose to show up and i tell myself first before i tell anybody else i choose to show up in a healthy mature way because i owe that to myself for my own mental and emotional well-being and i owe that to my son who needs to see what a healthy, emotionally sound and emotionally mature and mentally mature parent looks like. Mm. And if the invitation is offered to the other parent and they don't accept it, that's their choice. That's not your journey. That's their journey. What your journey is, is to be the best parent that you can be for your child. And we're saying the same thing, but just in different ways so that people when they're listening to it can hear in different ways because it impacts them in different ways as well. I know we don't all have the same circumstances, but despite even the most evilest and most narcissistic of partners, you can still have choices. Yeah. It's all about how you respond. And that's exactly. a lot of the times whenever I hear, yeah. but he does this and she does that and he always, and she always, and that's why I say, well, that's irrelevant to what you do. Like, are we only as good or bad as the other person? If, if, if you don't like the way they're, they're acting, does that give you license to act in a way to do it? Like, what are you, five years old? Well, he pushed me first, so I'm going to push him back. And a lot of the times this behaviour comes from pain. It's and the fear and the insecurity. And the Absolutely. So, you know, if, if we saw a stranger limping on the street, we'd help them to a chair. But if we see our ex-partners, man, woman, you know, whatever, non-binary, in pain, in pain where they feel like this is what they want to do to distract from their pain, we need to be understanding. And I know I can just hear people no, going, I know. Exactly as you said, Reham, <laughs> but she always or he always, but he's not. And you set your boundaries and, you know, you, you can 
it's not saying be a doormat, but no. it's like, I'm sorry no, no. you feel that way because I genuinely am sorry if somebody is upset at something that I've done. And I always say to Charlie, but when somebody is speaking to you and you don't quite agree with them, instead of listening to catch them out and making all these points, right, they're wrong about that, they're wrong about that, I'm going to bring that up, just wait a minute till she stops or he stops speaking and then I'm going to give them the big whammy, the knockout blow and blow their argument out of the water. Exactly. Sit there and try to understand why they think they're right yeah. and then go, okay, why do they think that? Well, their experience, their cultural, their upbringing, their whatever. And then you think, gee, if I was that person experiencing what they've experienced, being brought up the way they've brought up, guess what? I think exactly what they think. So we don't have to agree with them. We don't have to accept the behavior. But if we understand it, it takes away they're trying to do something to me. They're just them being them. And you can choose not to be around those people who you aren't connected to, whether it be an ex-partner or, or your boss or anything like that. But you don't have to condone it and you don't have to accept it but you don't respond in kind because it just escalates. Exactly. If somebody about- comes at you with their fists up and the first thing you do is fists up and I'm ready to go. It's about elevating our options. Mm. It's about being the bigger person, more mature, more, um, more emotionally and mentally awoke. Being that this is called awoke bloke. It's oh, about... It's about the awoke bit. It's about waking up to the patterns of behaviors and words and thoughts that we exhibit or use or, you know, demonstrate and make sure that we're conscious of what comes out of our mouth. We're conscious of the the energy that we emit, especially in front of our children. We're conscious about the actions that we take. Because put aside the ex and and the family and anybody else, at the end of the day, who matters? The kids. Mm. And if we're going to be treating them in such a way, as we talked about before, where we're creating a training ground at home for them to learn and to experience, we also have to create that space for ourselves too. And when we do that, you know, I know, for example, I'll tell my son, mommy needs a minute because she's worked up about something (laughs) and I'm going to take a minute. And for example, I'll go into the room and I'll do some breathing techniques because I'm doing it consciously to teach him, but also to calm me down. And so I will go through those breathing techniques and really fill my belly and slowly blow it out and close my eyes while I do it. And I do it a couple of times and I notice he's doing the same thing as I'm peeking, you know, without him noticing at the door and he'll do the same thing with me. And that's a life skill that I am so blessed to be able to teach him because what it teaches him is a boundary, a boundary that I am choosing how I show up regardless of how I'm being triggered by others or myself and when we create boundaries we create boundaries to prevent us from going towards things and from things coming towards us 
So what boundaries are we choosing to create? Not to create the Great Wall of China around us and protect us from life, but how can we create those boundaries to then keep us re responsive, not reactive in life? So I'm, I'm creating a boundary against me behaving in a way that is not awoke in front of my son. Yep. That's really essential for me in my parenting. How about you, Mike? Um, one of the things I usually say to the men that I speak with is decide what sort of bloke you want to be and be it. it it's, it's not that hard. How do you want to respond? Because if you want to react to everything that comes in conflict-wise, you're going to miss out on some of the best stuff. So it's about finding that internal um, who you are, that internal sat nav. And um, we have internal conflict as well. And that's when deep down we know, gee, this doesn't really align with my values. And I, I think that's one of the biggest causes of stress. Gee, you know, I've, I've been asked to do this and I've said yes, but deep down, I really don't want to do it. And that's where I found fatherhood from the outside as a young bloke, fatherhood looks sort of limiting and stifling a little bit. And since becoming a dad, I've found it's been liberating and it's given me the freedom to actually discover who I am because no more do I have the shame when everyone says, we're all going out here, you know, you're coming along. Oh, no, like... Uh, I no, I just don't feel I'd rather be with Charlie on the front step feeding the magpies than you know, and you know, we're all here and we're all doing, yeah, no, it doesn't matter because you know, my daughter needs me, or you know, I need to be at work to earn the money to do this, or I'm not going to go and spend the money on the new car to try and impress everyone, or you know, for that external trappings because I would much rather be able to take some time off and, you know, go to the beach with my daughter. So I'm not going to work a million hours a week to keep up with the Joneses. Those and are all boundaries, healthy boundaries. Exactly. Yeah, but stress-free. It's like all of a sudden, once you've, once you've got a clear vision and a set of values and that internal sat nav is there, it's, it's nearly like a conscious. That's what I say to Charlie, but there'll be stuff during life that'll happen and there'll just be that little feeling, that little voice in your head, that little feeling in your stomach, this isn't quite right. Listen to that voice because that's who you are. Don't don't fall into the trap of, well, you know, yeah, I'll do it, it won't be that bad you know, because it will eat away at you. You've got to be strong enough to just go, you know what? I don't know why I don't want to do it, but it just doesn't quite feel right, so I'm not going to do it. And that's, that's what we need to do as men. And I think that's what leads a lot of us astray with um, some of the negative impacts where we end up so destitute that our mental health is just a mess because we're being inauthentic to our true selves and yeah. we lose who we are. Spot on, Michael. So I know through the work that I do as a coach as well, um, among the many hats that I wear, um, I talk to my male clients about this one particular point 
consistently. So just like you tell Charlie that there's that internal sat nav, that voice that's inside you that you know, it's like your intuition almost that many women have built and strengthened. And, and I don't want to make a blanket statement that most men have not, it's not true. I think many men have, but many men have also stifled it and that's okay. So there's always room to reignite that, that voice, reignite the, the, the speaker for that voice. You know, if, if you could even reignite a speaker, you get what I mean, um, you know, um, to turn up, that's the word, turn up the speaker to your internal instinct to kind of hear what's going on with your internal sat nav. But with that comes also one more indicator. There are physiological signs mm. in our bodies that tell the tale that this is not settling well with our values. And when we practice recognizing them, we realize, okay, I know something's happening. I am hesitating before I make a decision. I'm noticing, for example, my temperature rising or my cheeks getting red. This is true for me, for example. My cheeks get red or I get that that the butterflies in my stomach, and it's not a comfortable butterfly excitement butterfly. This is a, I'm stressed about something butterfly. Find out what it is for your body. You know, my shoulders will go up to my ears, for example. Um, some people's hands might sweat. Some, eye, some people's eyes might flutter a little bit or whatever your body's physiological response to disalignment with your values, recognize it because what it does is it gives you the warning signs, just like a heart attack has warning signs and they are deadly. If you don't pay attention to them, pay attention to these physiological warning signs. They are deadly if we don't pay attention to them. The voice and the body go hand in hand. That, that I think is the ex explanation and um, the, the definition of hindsight. I knew it. But you did know it, but you still did it. And that's why they say hindsight is 2020, but we shouldn't have to, we shouldn't have to confirm that we're about to make the wrong decision. So I need to make it to know that it's actually wrong. And it's just, no, like you don't have to look at the stories we tell ourselves about the things that we do. And a lot of the times the stories we tell, the values we place on things are values that were never our own. And, you know, they're, the $100 note that we hold up, that it's a piece of paper worth cents, but we assign $100 to it. We place that much value on it. And then, well, what will I do for $100? Well, I'm gonna go to work and I'm gonna do this because then that will enable me to do this. But it's the value that you've assigned to it, what you're prepared to do. And a lot of times I say to the guys, listen, if, if I said to you just for a short time, just for a short time, You've got to live life the way that I want. So you've got to behave in a certain way. You've got to do certain things. So nearly a job, but more, more than a job because it's 24-7 and you've got to do it in front of your kids without explaining to them because age appropriate, they're not going to understand what it is that you're doing. How much would, would you want for five years of your life? And what about for 10 years? Because... That's what you're doing if you're not living authentically. And I know that I'm in such a privileged position to be able to make choices, but I get a lot of guys saying, I wish that I had 
the time with my kid that you have with yours. I wish that I had, and that's why I say, well, you know, how's that wishing working for you? I made decisions to go and hard, hard decisions were, right, I'm going to go without this. I'm going to go without the security of that. But none of it was a sacrifice because I think it was uh, Frankel said that suffering ceases to become suffering once, once it has meaning and sacrifice once you give it meaning and it's like True. you know what when i hear people say i sacrifice this for my kids i i don't understand it because there's nothing that i sacrifice because there's nothing more that i would rather be doing than building this life for charlie and i'm not trying to sound holier than now or super parent or anything like that but i actually enjoy i don't do anything that's hard or difficult so if it's not fun and it doesn't align with what I am, I don't do it. And one of my favourite things that I say, listen, if the opportunity in front of you doesn't align with your morals, your ethics and your values, maybe it's not an opportunity. Maybe it's a test of your character. Oh, spot on, Michael, spot on. And we're going to have to talk about that another time because we've got the man code that we haven't even talked about, nor the blueprint of men that we could talk about as well. So yes, we experience things in life that test us and they test us to either elevate us. Again, one more elevation there. It to elevate our character, our code of ethics, our code of morals, our code of values, it, to test our resolve, our patience, our faith in whatever we believe in, or to really see if we're really being true to what we say we're being true to. So, I mean, both are still tests of morals and character and, and values, but each test is different in its own right. And it's up to us to decide how we want to succeed in life. And success doesn't mean the cars, the money, the people, the women, the men, the, it, those are all materialistic success def, definers of success. It's, and they can go in a second. Exactly. Exactly. Ask anybody that's been sick. Ask anybody that has been hit by a car. Ask anybody that has lost their fortune. Ask anybody that's been ripped off. Ask anybody that has lost a loved one. None of that matters. They would rather spend that valuable time with those loved, loved ones, those, those people that they no longer have in their lives. So we have the blessing of having our loved ones in our lives right now that are currently here. That's a test. What are we going to do with it? How are we going to show up? So remember, lovely gentlemen and women that support you, gen gentlemen, um, these are conversation starters for blokes, for children, for women that support them. It's about the many men and the many conversations that they're having so that we can ensure mental and emotional and physical well-being and health and know that you're never alone. So I know, Michael, as we're wrapping up, and I can never end um, these conversations with you because I know we could talk forever about these topics, but what are some of the three top tips that you would give? And I'll think of my own as well. Mine would be that the first one would seek to understand before you can understand, because there are some times where you just go, gee, I, I can really understand now why this is occurring. And it's not about them versus me. It's about they're coming from their perspective. And now that I understand it, I can accept it. You don't have to agree with it, 
the second one would have to be you can still be great friends and seriously connected without being in that echo chamber of sameness so love embrace that. difference like I, i'm more interested to figure out how people how people think and what makes them different and the third one would have to be just seek connection just if somebody's coming at you guns blazing and arguing they're struggling they're struggling with something and they need some empathy and i know it sounds all kumbaya and dalai lamish especially from a big old bouncer type thing but seriously everyone's fighting a battle that you know we know nothing about so they would be my three tips and yours right um, I love your tips. Um, they overshadow mine, but um, he, I've said some of mine, but I'll say them again. Um, have a beginner's mind. Whenever you go into a situation of conflict, look at it as an opportunity for learning, as an opportunity for growth. And then the second one would be be curious, like really invest time and energy. It goes back to your point about seek to understand, not to be understood. Um, not only, sorry, to be understood. It, it, get curious about the other person seek curiosity about their humanity because they're human no matter what and that's what connects us i don't care if they are the worst person on earth there is humanity within them mm -hmm. so to when we do that we humanize ourselves too and then three elevate our choices don't act from reactiveness that comes from fear insecurity and disconnection with our true purpose in life and, and our values come from a space of responsiveness. And that means your power of choice. So when we choose how we operate, we can be accountable and responsible for them instead of blaming others for our choices. As always, a lovely episode with you, Michael, um, on these many umbrellas of topics that impact men and women and and all of us in, in this society that we're learning various ways to resolve conflicts together. These right, are- man. Really enjoyed it. Oh, likewise. Um, these are opportunities for each of us um, and me personally to elevate again, myself and learn um, from you, Michael, and, and from our audience members. So with that said, follow, like, and share. Also, don't hesitate to comment below. How do you resolve conflicts in your life? Tell us what we can learn from you and how and what you've learned from us and how you've, you've decided to do things better or different uh, after listening to the podcast. And what would you like us to talk about or address in the future? In the meantime, Awoken Bloke, many men, many conversations. Check us out. We'll see you next time. Goodbye.